Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Uh, Shannon and I are back again. Woo-woo! Hello, hello. Fun, a fun episode scheduled for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're selling that correctly. <laughs> All right. Um, so something, so this idea came to us, uh, gosh, probably a long time ago, um, when we had our conversation with Sarah from Hazel and Betty Ford, she came on great episode if you're interested. And she said a term that none of us had really heard of before. And we're like, Oh my God, how, how cool, how crazy. And so tonight we're talking about anticipatory grief. Yeah. I think that that was the first time maybe we'd heard somebody name it that way, but we all like, as soon as she said it, we right. knew what she meant because I think we've all like experienced those feelings. Right. Um, so it was just like, oh, okay, we now have a term to put with with it. Right. Um, yeah. And for those who maybe like maybe you're new to this concept of anticipatory grief, it's just it's the idea of grieving before a death or a loss. I think a lot of times, you know, we associate grief with, with death, um, which obviously that's well known. Um, but there can be a lot of like grief and feelings of loss around other things, like the loss of a relationship or maybe the changing of a relationship dynamic or things related to even like jobs and, um, you know, moving out of a house or all kinds of things that bring up like feelings of loss and change. Uh, you can have grief around that. And it may be something that you are like feeling that before it even happens, like the impending loss of something, you start noticing those feelings. Right. Yeah. And so, um, we had just kind of in, in kind of preparing for this episode, um, looked at this, at this article, um, from Forbes health and we, and we can put it in the show notes for people to read. I, I thought it was really informative and had some, some good info. Uh, what I found funny is that they listed almost every damn thing that you could imagine possible of how you could feel anticipatory grief, like different situations. Nowhere in this whole document does it say anything about addiction. Did you notice that? 
Yes, I actually was scrolling through also, and it was like, here's some examples of what may, you know, lead to anticipatory grief. I was like, oh, I wonder if addiction is in it. And right. yeah, I noticed it was not. <laughs> they have they have amputation, which I think is makes sense, but kind of like random. Like I wouldn't even have thought of that. And then also impending loss of a pet, but they don't have addiction, which I think is just so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I also really liked in the article, again, we'll link it, um, just some feelings that you might experience while going through this. And I think I want to list them just because I think it's important um, or helpful. So anger or irritability, anxiety, denial, the desire to withdraw from social situation, depression, dread, guilt, and intense preoccupation with the dying person. Um, lack of motivation, loneliness, loss of control over one's emotions, sadness, and tearfulness. Yep. I feel like I could check (laughs) all of those (laughs) emotions. I think there's some that, um, stand out more to me from when I think about this topic in the, in the realm of like addiction. Um, I go back to, the times when like Jay was in active use or more right. specifically like that fall of 2019, when our relationship was kind of in limbo mm-hmm. and he was on that like long run of using. Um, right. and of course we like did kind of separate for a while. Um, and so it's just interesting how like all of those like weave in. And that was something the article noted also. And I think you hear this about like grief a lot it's not just like things like your feelings aren't just like in silos, they kind of Mm -hmm. like mix, or you might go from one right into the other. And it's like the whole roller coaster. Um, but that intense preoccupation. Yeah. That I was like, "Mm, yes, I know that 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 was to me too. Yeah. Um, so Shannon, I mean, you kind of already referenced this. And so for people who might be new, can you, can you hit on the part of of when you were dropping him off in 2019 at the rehab center. (laughs) Can can you just refresh us? Yep. Um, so that was November of 2019, um, which had already been about, I don't know, four or five months of getting to that point. Um, because it was in June that I found out that Jay had been using again and he'd been using for a couple months. And it was a situation where um, prior to finding out, I was kind of feeling like something was off and had asked him a few times, like, is something going on? And, um, he, we had discussed previously that like a big thing for me is like lying and just being honest up front about like, yeah, okay. Relapse might is, is a common thing. Sometimes it may happen, but like, it's the months of lying that goes along with it. That's really like hard to deal with. Um, and we had previously like established, like, you know, if it gets to a point where you are using again and you are lying and you're not like willing to get help, then you can't like live in this house. Um, so in June I like kicked him out or he had to leave. Um, and that kind of started, like the decline of things. And so for several months, we were kind of in this limbo of talking here and there, like, are we going to try and be together? Are we not? Like he was really up and down, like 
I'd hear from him like, um, yeah, I'm like trying to get onto boxing or I'm trying to get into this counselor. And so there'd be moments of like hope, like, okay, like I, this could work. And then, you know, of course it would not come to fruition. Um, and then he moved into a halfway house, which I thought was like, yay, good sign. Um, and then it was about a month after that, that I got the dreaded call, um, that he had overdosed and was being taken to the hospital. He like had been found in his car, had like wrecked his car. Um, and so then there were all these legal issues, um, and whatnot. And so then it was like, oh, clearly things were not improving and was really hopeful that that would be like a, a wake up call kind of, but, um, it kind of pushed him further into using. Um, and when I found out that he still was, um, I kind of, I gave like an ultimatum of like, look, like you can't keep doing this. Like, are you ready to get help yet? And he kept telling me like, yeah, I, I don't want to keep doing this. I want to get help. And so finally one day I was like, okay, this is it. I will pick you up tomorrow and take you to Fairbanks. And if you don't go, then I'm done. I can't keep being in this. Like, is he, does he really want to get better? Is he doing it or not? And so he was like, okay, yes, I will. I will do it. And I was shocked that, you know, we planned on when I was going to pick him up, he was there, but then the whole car ride, he was kind of like already coming up with the excuses of why it didn't make sense for him to do it. And he thought that he could get clean on his own. He just needed all of these things to line up. And I'm like, so exasperated, like you've been saying these things for five months and like, none of this is happening. Like, and so then we literally got to the, um, to Fairbanks and he refused to go in. And I was like, you either go in or I'm leaving. And he was like, well, I'm going to get on this bus. And that was that. And, oh, I went, to, I think I went to your house then immediately after like sobbing and yeah. And then it, that was like, I guess like two and a half months where we did not communicate. We weren't together. And it was like right before, I guess in early January had a little bit of contact. Mm -hmm. um, and then he ended up going to Fairbanks, but yeah. So all of that time leading up to <laughs> was like constantly just preparing for like, when am I going to get the call that he's in jail again, or he actually died this time from the overdose or. Right. Well, and then also, I mean, even, even more than that. Right. So you guys, you guys have been together at nine, 10 years at that point, you really truly do feel and you're near with him now, which is great. Felt that he is the one you're going to spend the rest of your life with him, all of that. And so then you're at your house with all of his shit. And so mourning the loss of the future that you guys had been planning and kind of building together for the past, you know, 10 years. I think that was also a big thing. Yeah, that definitely played into it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't actually forget this, but it's something I don't really think about very often. So almost kind of forgot it, but it was literally like two weeks before 
um, I found out that he was using again, like in June that we went and like looked at rings and had been talking oh, about getting engaged, which was like, you know, something that I had been waiting for. And it was like, oh, it's like finally happening and it's exciting. Like we're finally making this step forward in our relationship. Cause I think for so long, we both, we both kind of like let fear drive those decisions where it'd be like, things would be going well and be like, okay, well, like, maybe like now might be a good time to like get engaged and plan a wedding. And then, you know, he'd relapse and then it'd be like, well, we can't possibly like get married right now or even think about it. And then it always felt like, I don't know, how long do you have to wait once they get back into early recovery before you make that decision again? And so it just, I guess at that point it had been, I don't know, oh, a couple of years that he had been clean. Oh, actually I take that back. There had been like the whole like weed relapse in there in that winter, but in general had been in recovery for a couple of years. So it was like, okay, we got to just do this. And then was he he using, right? Was, was he using when you guys were going to look at rings? Yeah. So do you think that I didn't didn't know know that? Yeah. Right. Um, But do you think he was doing that just to like buy time? Like, I I do think he loves you and cares for you in general. I think I'm sure that was also in there. I think it was probably also probably there was some panic of like, oh shit, like, like I do love her and I don't want to lose her. And I was really at that point, like this is happening or it's not happening. Like you should know by now if we want to like be together, like forever. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So that was also, you know, the, just like grieving that whole like future that I had started thinking about and like was thinking like, oh, I thought at this time I was going to be engaged and we were going to be like planning a wedding or like shortly after like, you know, planning on having a family. And now like you picked a date, like you had like a general time. I remember that like of when like a date kind of wise of when you kind of wanted to get married. Oh, um, a date on like kind of my ultimatum for the proposal. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have anything specific around like wedding stuff planned, but like I had, that all kind of led into plans for like to then get pregnant and et cetera, et cetera. And so that was, you know, grieving all that. And then, like you said, just like the house, like all of his stuff was still here. Um, I finally, I think it was like, Oh, it was right after, you know, the like breakup when he chose to keep using instead of get go to Fairbanks, um, that it helped that it was Christmas time because I knew I was like, I have to get, I have to take like some of these things down. Like Mm. I I need to like start moving on. And so I used the like decorating for Christmas. Like I put away all the pictures of us and like the knickknack things that, you know, they're the weird things that I don't even like, but they're, they're his and he thinks and so they're around, but, you know, packed them up and I like packed up his entire closet and, um, 
had like things in boxes and had kind of talked to his parents. Like we were kind of trying to figure out like when would be a time for them to like get stuff. I, I remember also being nervous. Like I, this is me like trying to control things. Even then it was like, I don't want to just give him all of these things, like in all of his music gear, which is thousands of dollars. Right. I was like, he's going to go out and pawn it all or sell it. Right. And yeah. So yeah, it was part of me was like, I don't know what to do with this stuff, but I was starting to make moves on have you know having to think about like what does life look like without him yeah can you describe some of like the feelings that you were feeling at that time um a lot of dread um just like sadness a lot I I vividly remember like one time like getting out of the shower. It was like, I just cried the whole time in the shower and then got out of the shower and sat on like the side of the tub and like was sobbing and like texted two of my friends where I was just like, I just can't stop crying. And I don't know if I'm ever going to, and you know, they're, they were like supportive and were like, you will, you will stop crying. Like, it's okay to do that now. Like just let it out. But it was just like that feeling of like, is this like sadness ever like going to go away? Um, the other big fear or the other big feeling was fear. I think I was just constantly afraid that like he was just going to die. And like, like how long would it take me to find out? And then I was also worried when we, you know, we weren't talking. Um, and I wasn't like in communication with his family anymore. I was like, surely they're gonna like they'll let me know which I know they would but you know you don't you aren't thinking clearly so I'm like will they let me know will I be involved in like planning a service like I mean I don't know like I would be in the car like thinking about like well Jay would probably want to wear like a wean shirt (laughs) would he even want to have a casket like he hates funerals but you know, we'd have to play like this ween song or like, I don't know, moments of like thinking about like, what would a funeral or like memorial service or something like look like. Right. So. Yeah, that's hard. Which I think, I can't remember when Kimmon's mom was on um, our episode, did she talk about at one point kind of having to, you know, think about like her son dying you know I think the the kind of weird thing about the situation with Kevin is um we didn't really know until like shit got real bad and and then pretty quickly after we realized what was going on he did get into treatment and so there wasn't a huge um I don't think personally, there was a ton of anticipatory grief on my side. Like I had a lot of really, really bad shit happen, but I don't think I could say that I was grieving the relationship. Like the, the, the last time he went into the ICU, like I did call his sister to come get him. And I was packing my bags to leave, to, to go to a friend's in Ohio's. Um, and so I think for me, a lot of my feelings were the anger 
Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think maybe if you're talking about Kevin's mom, um, her brother, um, oh, is, yeah, is still in active use. Um, and he's, you know, in his sixties now, uh, which is kind of sad to see, but yeah. But yeah. So I do know that like Jay's mom has previously told me that like a long time ago, she kind of had to come to terms with the fact that like, you know, it was very possible that Jay would die from his addiction. And that's something that they would have to, to deal with, which is right just you know terrible to think about um right but when you mentioned like the anger and like the relationship I think there can also be like the grief even if you weren't anticipating like Kim and dying at the time like Mm -hmm. almost like grieving what you thought your relationship was going to look like right yeah you didn't think that you would be you know, like looking for him every night or like your guys' schedules being <laughs> opposite or like, you know, getting, finding him on the couch, like passed out. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I think there can be some like grief and like, oh, this relationship is not yeah. what I envisioned. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like when I started counseling and I realized that my marriage was shit after I'd been with this man for six years at that point. Um, yes, there was, because we weren't talking, we weren't having sex. We weren't, um, doing anything. Like we, like the only way I could get him to even speak to me would be to get him up. Like as soon as I'd get home and we could take a walk around our neighborhood, which is like just a 20 minute circle. Um, so that was like the only time that we could speak. And so, yeah, it was morning. Like I was trying to portray this perfect, wonderful, like we had a great relationship. And that was just like, not the case at home, which was, which was sad, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought like, even the times when I wasn't like grieving the idea of him die dying, then like, because of all the like legal things that happened, there was Mm -hmm. so many questions on like, how would that pan out? So it was like, worrying about is he gonna end up in jail for a while like is he gonna lose his license for 10 years or something and like thinking through like how does that impact like the rest of our lives or our relationship like you know and then starting like then kind of grieving the loss of the relationship in that way right so yeah so for you, well, I guess we could say anybody, like what I think is shitty, right? And so now Jay wasn't just out having fun using and getting high and having the best time of his life, right? He was in an awful addiction and, you know, he just needed to live and that's all he was doing for his addiction. Um, but I think we talk so often about like, so you're having all these feelings, you're sad, you're crying on the bathtub, like, but can you, have, you've talked to him, right? Like, I think we even talked, uh, talked about like his feelings during that time Yeah. about you and the relationship. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I know that that's come up at least between Jay and I before, and maybe I've shared on here at some points, but, um, cause that's something that sometimes I feel a little resentful for of like, I had to experience all those feelings of loss and like what it would be like for our relationship to end. And like, he was kind of numb to it during that time. Um, 
I remember him saying kind of like a coping mechanism was for him to just like kind of be mad at me, like create this idea or like create this idea of like, oh, she's fine. Or, oh, I'm so mad at her. because She's trying to control my situation. Mm. Um, but like he said that he like tried to avoid like really like sitting with his feelings and like feeling how he felt or like right. thinking about me being sad. Um, so he said he would like envision me just being really angry and then that made it easier for him to be because oh, like, that's why he didn't want to reach out he never reached out right because he thought you were so angry with him yeah Wasn't like that, that was kind of, yeah like that was kind of the story that he was telling himself um he did he was the first one to reach out on like christmas eve i got a text from him mm-hmm. it just was like you know merry christmas shannon like i miss you right um, And so that was like the first contact. And then it was just kind of sporadic here and there. Cause there'd be a couple of times where it'd be like, well, you know, I'm here and to like, I want you to be healthy and I'm happy to help you like do that if you're ready, Mm -hmm. but you have to like for real be ready. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I think during that time, his life was just really shitty. And he was like, so preoccupied with keeping right. all the lies straight and trying mm-hmm. not get kicked out of the halfway house right. where you're not <laughs> supposed to be using. So hiding that, trying not to lose his job where he was constantly like disappearing to go get drugs or go to the bathroom mm. to use the drugs. Um, yeah. I think that he was just so preoccupied with trying to survive that time that it didn't really leave a lot of room for like other feelings. Um, right. and then, you know, creating a false sense of reality in his head to like make it easier to deal with the, uh, results of his actions. But yeah, so that's come up a few times for us where I'm like, I actually know what it right. is like, like what it would be like for us to like break up, like how sad <laughs> it was. And, like, I don't know that you really have felt that sadness. Right. I think the, that night, what I, what something that, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly is like, you either like yelled at the window or like he got out of the car and like, there's like these grassy medians at the treatment center that you guys were at. And, um, like you like roll down the window or something. And you're like, if you, if you get out of the car and you don't come with me or you don't go into fear, he's like, we're breaking up. And he was like, okay, bye. Like, he was just so nonchalant about it and was just like, okay, nine years, piss off, see you later. Yeah. And like, that he was didn't... like so hurtful was where right. I'm like, he, he didn't even try to keep right. it. Cause he had also like gotten in his mind where he was like, well, I really need to go to this HA meeting tonight because I'm going to like meet up with this guy um, who's going to like help me get clean. And I'm like, what? Right. I got to remember that. And so like just walk into the rehab center right here. They will help you get clean. Like I need to get back to this meeting. Like, are you going to take me to the meeting? I'm like, no, I'm not taking you to the meeting. You are either going in to Fairbanks or I'm done and we're leaving. And then that's when he was like, well, then I have to take the bus. I'm getting (laughs) on the bus now. And I'm like, so I was like, so you are really walking away right now. Yeah. 
So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's kind of flip this. Cause I think, uh, so anticipatory grief and maybe you can still call it anticipatory grief. Like we are in uh, relationships with men whose drug of choice is opiates. And we know that we've heard that really heroin isn't really going around right now. It's fentanyl. Yeah. And it's like massively dangerous and deadly in a, in a drop, you know? Um, and so do you feel that if do, that you've prepared in any form or fashion, because tomorrow Jay could use and be dead when you, when we think everything is going fine. So right. do you, do you think any, do you think that you have prepared, um, in any way? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I would ever really be prepared for that. Um, especially if we're talking about a situation where it's like right now and I, think everything is fine. And I believe that he's two plus years clean and sober, like things are going well. Like if he tomorrow used and died, like I would not be prepared for that. Like, that's good. Good point. <laughs> um, I would have been more prepared, like during that, like eight, nine months of active use when I knew like it literally, I guess I wouldn't have been as blindsided at least. Sure. Then. Yeah, sure. Um, and like, I was actively trying to like get myself to a point where it's like, okay, you know, this may happen, right? You don't have any control. You've done all the things that you can do. I think that's probably a big piece of like helping to feel prepared is the um, I don't know, like just feeling like you've done, like reminding yourself that you've done everything that you can do. Like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What, what about you? <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, I ask you a question there. Um, so I think, so I think with my past experience, of my mom being killed out of nowhere, obviously, when I was 18. It's a really big deal for me to know the business side of the people I love. So for those of you who don't know, my dad died a few months ago out of left field. When it happened, right? So shitty, shitty, awful feelings. But like when we went to the funeral home, like I was... Pfft, I was probably like a super bitch to my dad. Right. I would ask him all the time, like, listen, when you die, like, what are we doing? Are we burying you? Are you cremated? If you're cremated, where are we going to put your ashes? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Katie, don't do that. Katie, don't do that. And I'm like, no, but for real, like I need to know. So like, will you just do this for me? Um, and basically he was like, I don't care. You know, I, I'll be dead. I don't care. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, this is what's happening. Blah, 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 blah. And thankfully, that's what happened because when we're, because I felt very comfortable with the decisions that were made. Cause when you're, when you're in the funeral home, like 
you wanted to be nice for the person and to pay tribute to the person and, and, you know, show that they meant so much to you, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're talking about thousands of dollars, but, you know, at this point it was like, okay, obviously it's a terrible situation, but it's like, I know he wanted to be cremated. I know he wanted this. I need five boxes of ashes. I need blah, blah, blah. So I felt very comfortable. It was very, um, business-like for me at that planning meeting. And so for me, if Kim had passed away tomorrow, the emotions would be very difficult, but I feel that I am prepared to make the business decisions. Like mm-hmm. I even like have ideas of like what to do at the actual funeral. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not a lot of people do, but that for me in my life's experiences, that's important to me. Like I even know that I will be financially okay if, if he does die tomorrow type of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. It doesn't surprise me that you're prepared in that way. It also, I think it's telling when you said prepared, like the only way I thought about prepared was like in the emotional sense. And I was like, oh yeah, there's like all these other like logistical financial and other things um, that would probably be wise to do a little bit more preparing around. Um, I do feel like I have like, just from knowing Jay and like conversations that we've had, like know like what he would want or not want, but. But, okay, you say that. But let's say he, he dies tomorrow, right? You're his girlfriend, right? So right. you have a really great relationship with his parents, but it's like, if, if you've, if they've not heard him talking about this, so say you two have talked about him being cremated, but his parents are like, no, 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 no. He's being buried. Like they trump you, which is unfortunate right. and sad. And so for me, when I was having the conversation with my dad, because there's multiple people involved, I made sure that I had the conversation multiple times in front of multiple people because I didn't want it to be a battle and, and yeah. it wasn't thankfully. And so I just can't, that's like my, one of my soapboxes. There's many soapboxes I get on. One of them is talk to your parents about, cause they're going to die. Everybody's going to die. Talk to them about it. Cause it's only going to make things better. And yeah. also talk to your spouse, significant other. Um, cause it's going to happen and it could happen out of nowhere. And so be prepared on the business side of it. Cause the emotions like blow dick. So yeah. yeah. Blow dick. That's hard to like not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's what came out of my mouth. So we're going with it. Uh, and isn't it telling like, let's quote that. Let's that put it on an Instagram. It's telling that I'm just so used to like the way you talk that I was just like, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. like, wasn't even faced. I, I was about to just say, yeah, that's like, that's good advice. And it was actually, that was one of the things that I was worried about though like, especially during the time when Jay and I were like officially broken up, like I had already thought like, oh, when I was, was his girlfriend and we were together, like that could still be like, how much say do I have and what something is like. Um, right. And then once we were broken up, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't technically, there's no reason for me to have a say, even though this is somebody I've spent 10 years of my life with. And now we've only right. been broken up for two months. And right. So that was like, what I really like was struggling with was how would I deal with that? Right. Um, right. It's interesting that you 
ask that question about the preparing, because I noticed that was one of the things that came up in the article. Like, you know, there's mixed feelings on whether or not anticipatory grief, like helps process like actual grief, or if it's just like doing more harm, like where you're just kind of like taking yourself through all of those emotions beforehand. Um, and it seemed to be like, it was just mixed on by yeah. like a case by case basis, but yeah, it didn't seem like there's any data to prove if it helps or hurts. No, no. I don't yeah. know how you just like, and I don't know how you don't feel those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, so I asked Kim and I was like, oh, I'm going to be interested on the addict side because, you know, they have friends who are going through this. And I'm like, Hey, have you felt anticipatory grief? Like even for yourself, were you grieving the loss of our relationship or whatever? And he was like, no, you know, I was only focused on drugs, which makes sense. I get it. Um, and I was like, you know, now that you're clean now, do you have any feelings about, you know, people come in meetings and then they go back out and use, like, do you have any sad feelings about that. And he was like, no, he was like, kind of sounds like you don't have your emotions under control or you're not, you're not good at managing your emotions. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) And he was like, well, that's something that's completely, if somebody dies, it's completely out of my control. So that stuff I don't worry about. And I'm like, and then he just like slowly like backed out of the door, like being all silly. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a good point to make. Like, we can't control anybody. We could die tomorrow and there's nothing, there's almost nothing you can do about it. I do feel like they handle those things better than us. I th- And I think it's because they've been in, in those shoes. And so mm-hmm. they know from ex- experience that like no one else around them can control anything for them. And I don't know, because I, I feel like um, just like watching the way Jay has handled when people have gone back mm-hmm. out, you know, like he's bummed and is like, man, I hope they make it. I hope they come back. And like, he will, you know, reach out to them or something, but he's more like, well, they, they have to make that decision for themselves. Right. Um, and I, cause I remember there was a time like early on when he had first moved back, like one of his um, friends from the recovery house was, went back out Mm -hmm. and somehow that guy's mom had like got like, Oh, found Jay on Facebook messenger and was like messaging him, like all kinds of questions, like, and things Mm -hmm. that he, she should do. And, um, just the way like Jay was handling it. I remember like making myself a mental note where I told myself, Shannon, if Jay ever goes back out and is using, you need to remember the way he is handling this situation with his friend. Like, right. Because it's just different than I think our instincts. Same thing with Jessica, the, the, what she was saying to her stepmom or how she was handling the stepmom's addiction versus what Casey was yeah. handling and saying to the stepmom's addiction was uh same exact same thing right just he was handling it differently yeah crazy well I mean kind of a a bummer of a topic but but it happens I mean I know it's just it's like one of those things it's reality and 
it's not, and since it is a bummer of a topic, it's not, it's not like you're just out there talking about it all the time with your friends at like a brunch. So this is the place where we get to have those. See, I ask my friends how they want to die. <laughs> what do you want to do when you're done? <laughs> I kind of know some of my friends what they want to do, which okay. is fine. <laughs> all right. Well, next time we hang out, I guess we can figure out my plans. Yeah. I'll tell you all about mine. I'll just tell you right now. I want to be, I need ashes, right? I'm going to be cremated. And then I'm going to put this on record because people think I'm crazy. It's in my will, but I'm just going to put it out in the ether. Okay. I'm going to, I love whales. I, I believe in the possibility of mermaids. And so I want my loved ones to go out on a boat during whale watching, dump my ashes in the hopes I will become a mermaid then. <laughs> Okay, we've heard it here. We will make sure breaking news that yeah. your your wishes play this clip at my funeral. Yeah. So do you want a like a funeral? Like, do you have any ideas yeah, about yeah. what your Party. funeral is supposed to be? Oh, for sure. It's like listed in my like the lawyers thought I was like batshit crazy. Like, you want this in there? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, absolutely. So <laughs> it's funny. It's just really comical, honestly. <laughs> And it, we're in the event profession, right? So like, I know what I want to do. So <laughs> my party, it's my last party for fuck's sake. There you go. Yeah. You're, you're more prepared on that than me. Yeah. But, All so. right. Well, everyone, thank you as always for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you're new with us, please keep listening to other episodes <laughs> and keep coming back. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.